This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> Um, oh, hi, my name is Jesse Eisenberg. And I feel desperate to be Conan O'Brien's friend. Really, there's a desperation there? Usually. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. This is uh, this has been just a joy. It's been really fun. Had no idea I was going to do a podcast, and here I am doing it and meeting all kinds of people that come up to me and say, "Hey, I really like the podcast." And I have to apologize because my security usually roughs them up. <laughs> I travel with a pretty rough crew. Uh, <laughs> I do apologize if my security has beaten or thrashed you uh, because you've tried to say hi to me. It's, uh, that's on me. I apologize, and they will do a better job. I'm just, uh, you know, that level, that level of star. Um, Are you? What's that? What? I'm really not. No, I've I looked been it up. out there with you, and you're yeah. completely exposed yeah. by yourself. Yeah. Hard to miss, too, because you're very tall. Yeah. You're his security, basically. I, you know what? I, I go am. places, yes, and this is, of course, my assistant, Sona. Sona, you... You've had to try and be my security, but it never works, right? You always no. step in to try and get things to move along more quickly, and uh, right? You will talk to someone for 20 minutes. Sometimes it's uh, frustrating, and then a mob will start to build around you, and then there won't be any way to get you out of there. It's funny. I will talk to people sometimes, and then, uh, you know, people that just come up to me in a restaurant yeah. or, or on the street, and they'll say they're fans, and they'll start talking to me, and then there'll come a point in the conversation where they clearly want out. 
And I keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> you do. There's a picture one of the writers took where you're, I think we're at San Diego for Comic-Con and you're getting like around, it's behind me. You're just, there's, you're surrounded by people and I'm just drinking wine because the there's nothing yeah. I can do about I'm it. I'm surrounded by like 30 people that want selfies and you're in the foreground and you're drinking. And it's not just that you're drinking a glass of wine. It's the tallest pour I've ever seen. <laughs> you could soak your foot in this glass of wine. Sona's... Sona's drinking some wine while I'm back there working the flesh. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, I I don't know if that's comes from a need on my part, whatever. I just start talking to people and I can't stop. Gorley, Matt Gorley, our producer, diagnose me. You've known me for a while. Oh, wow. Uh, what do you see? Do you see a man who's crippled by a need or do you think I shouldn't look at it in a critical way? Should I? And Sona, you can weigh in at any point. I think you just love your fans. And you're crippled that by a need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, you know what? I think, that's, I think that's fair. Now, Gorley, the old me, the yeah. 2019 me, would yeah. have torn you a new one right now. <laughs> but I'm not going to be that guy anymore. I'm nervous. Yeah. No, I'm uh, like Clint Eastwood in The Unforgiven. Uh, you know, I was an amazing uh, gunfighter in my day. I killed a lot of people. But I'm not like that anymore. Wow. Yeah. But then remember what happens at the end of the movie. Yeah, he has to go back to it. And he kills, yeah. So you're going to be slaughtered. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. The movie's been out since uh, 1993. I was going to watch it tonight. And now there's no point. That's not true. Oh, this is getting back to when you spoiled the glass blowing show. (laughs) That's the same. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we that were was talking, a segment from a couple you of blew, episodes. And you know ago. what? I got so mad in the moment because I was like, I was going to watch that glass blowing show maybe. And I completely forgot about it. Yeah, you were never going to watch it. I was it. never going to watch it. I got triggered. What do you mean? I got really angry that you can accuse me of spoiling it. I remember my brother Wait, actually said you? to me, he's like, you sounded really mad. <laughs> in that. Yeah. I don't know why. That's all right. You're Let's strange. move on. You're a little crazy. A little bit. A little crazy. Okay. Which on. side of you is the crazy side? What are you talking about? There's the, you know, the Armenian side. There's the Greek side. Well, the Armenian side takes really? more of that. Yeah. You never know. They're both loud. I I'm don't loud. get to play that game because I am completely 100% Irish. So there's no question when I'm when people pretty much decide that I'm insane and that I have terrible mental problems. It's not like I can question, gee, is it the Irish people that lived here in this village or the ones that lived six feet over in that village? <laughs> Oh, Irish. We lived so in, Irish, you're from the same village. No. Like both sides. No, the villages were just crammed together really closely because <laughs> there was one keg in the middle. We're, now, so, so Gorley, yeah. you've watched me for a while, and I know that uh-huh. you admire me. And well, What? Well, what? No, no, can, no, keep going. No, you can do this. Okay. You, can, you, I know that you love to be the guy who gives it back. You know what I'm saying? You, you know <laughs> no, I mean? first of all, I do not. You do. I, it actually puts me in an uncomfortable position. You I like don't it. like it. You I like, hate it, as a You like fact. walking around your cool neighborhood <laughs> and having people who are strumming yeah, a lute. Pasadena. Strumming a lute uh, no, on the corner, having an aperitif. Gardening. Yeah. Oh, I heard you really, you gave it back to Conan. <laughs> Good for you, young lad Gorley. Here's a shiny buffalo nickel for you. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah, so you got him good. You really gave him the old razzmatazz. <laughs> I don't want to take you down. I just want to be your friend. No, come on, <laughs> Corley. The people that listen to this, I want to know what their version of me they have in the, their heads. Is. Well, you're very twee. You are. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a baseball cap. 
Yeah, you're wearing it as if to prove a point. No, I'm no not. No one's looked I less just, natural wearing. That's you, true. You look like Mahatma Gandhi wearing a that's baseball cap. That's true because cap, I know nothing saying, about sports. Can't, can't we all be friends? That's you know, true. No, you but don't. I was just running late and and. Um, yeah, 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 and you you couldn't decide. Which uh, of your pork pie hats? To I wear. don't own a single pork oh, pie God's hat. Sake, I swear Gorley. to God. <laughs> no, you are uh, you are a man who uh, has his unique fashion sense. Okay. And so, will you describe what I'm wearing right now? <clears throat> yes, okay. he's wearing khaki pants. Yeah. Um, khaki, well, first of all, let's be honest: khaki pants, but uh, with very old broken shoes oh. from a yeah. Uh, sneakers. Yeah, they look like brogans oh. to me. Yes, and then a red flannel uh, shirt. Yeah. Mm. And a baseball cap with yeah. the L.A. Dodgers logo on it. I look like a dad in a car commercial right now. <laughs> yeah. Or like I'm in the CIA trying to blend in. Oh. You're trying very hard not to be the man. You're dressing this way I have so to that admit, I won't pick on you. That's true. You I are. have to admit, sometimes I come in, I'll, I'll like pick a, a normal piece of clothing out and go like, am I going to get ridiculed you, for this? No, you wore like a tweed <laughs> vest once and you I've had- I've never worn a tweed vest. <laughs> yes, you did. I don't even own a tweed for vest. Two, like for two podcasts, he wore a tweed vest and he had a big watch fob. No. Yes, he did. This the guy comes in in full Crocodile Dundee. You came in with a crocodile hat. You on. had the hat from Australia. Yeah, from Australia because I visited there. Well, it doesn't give you the right to come in looking like that. Of course it does. It was a gift from the Australian people and I was honoring them. How Jesus. dare you, sir? Oh. Why were you dressed? It's ridiculous. Like oh. Boss Tweed, you look like the campaign manager for, you know, some turn of the century politician. 2020 you Conan's really nailing it. <laughs> what are you talking about? You said you were going to be 2020 Conan where you don't do this kind of thing. You really did, like like two minutes this ago. This is worse than 29. This is like 2010, Conan. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sick of you going back to <laughs> Pasadena. I'm sick of you going back to Pasadena and walking around trying to get a high five from all the oldies that live on your block. Oh you know what I mean? God. Give those people a high five, their shoulder comes off. But you're always like, they're always like, oh, got him. We listen to the radio program. Conan tried to get you, but you oh, give him the old Sona, flim flam. Just tag me out. I don't want to do this. I don't know what to do. Yeah. What do you think? I got him pretty good, huh? I thought we weren't going to do this anymore, but you, you, we are. We're back to it. Gorley has my nose a, is running. I feel like Gor my nose is bleeding. Mm. Gorley has a <laughs> cell phone that he's had modified to look like a 1940s Bakelite phone, and he carries it. And I'm not kidding. It's a giant phone that you'd see like. Jimmy Olsen pick up and go, hello, is that you, Superman? You know, from the 50s. And you had it modified. It's the most twee thing I've ever seen. It's ridiculous. Yes, you are absolutely right. I, I don't want to pile on, but did you use a handkerchief just now? I have to because my nose. <laughs> no, Matt, you don't wear a why? handkerchief. Thank why? you. It's not a handkerchief. It's just a, like, I just bought Look it. Oh, oh, my God. No just... one uses those. <laughs> okay, I don't no jo one... Jordan Schlansky oh. me. because no, 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 this is no, just, no. I just bought this at like a- uh, like, You use clean. Oh, Department store. Yeah. Oh, I went to the department store to buy a handkerchief. <laughs> oh fuck. I went to the house. <sighs> uh, excuse me. I'd like to talk to your top lady. Oh, don't throw that at it. He just threw it at me and it hit me in my open mouth. Why do you have this? Because I have a problem. What? My nose runs when need, I laugh. That's might, a compliment. In case you might need to surrender quickly. <laughs> oh, I give up. I give up. <laughs> 
I have a what? runny nose. Yes, I'm but so no, everyone else uses Kleenex. Who cares? Who cares? But you can't because you're Matt Gourley. Uh, no, that's not why. Of the Pasadena Gourleys. Oh, for fuck's sake, I want to crawl in a hole. Oh, he God. threw that at me and it went to my open mouth. <laughs> now I'm going to get his disease and I'll be buying curve top radios in a week. Oh God! I'm so sorry, Matt. Oh, I quit. Oh, I quit. I, I didn't I mean to do out. that. Oh, I really didn't okay. mean it. You probably also don't have a normal cold. You probably have a 19th century ailment. <laughs> yeah, like Bidler's flux. <laughs> I have consumption. Yes, I have Kepler's palsy. <sighs> Listen. Hey, who's on the show today? I'm glad you asked. My <laughs> guest today is an Academy Award-nominated actor, as well as an author and playwright. You know him from such films as The Social Network, Zombieland, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Zombieland 2, Double Tap. I really love this guy. He is inordinately uh, talented and also an incredibly nice and genteel fellow. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, our good friend Jesse Eisenberg. I want to apologize first. I think I owe you an apology because sure. uh, we showed up very early in the morning for this podcast sure. in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and uh, I showed up. You were in the you were in your car right behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made our way upstairs, and we were locked out of the building. Yeah. And we stood on the second floor, and we were locked out for I don't know fifteen twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. It seems like that. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, we had an amazing conversation, mm-hmm. which we will never be able to reproduce now. I wrote it all down. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. I saw you. You sat like a scribe, an Egyptian yeah, yeah, yeah. scribe, and <laughs> yeah. you were just writing everything I said down. Yeah. 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 Since the first time I interviewed you, you were a uh, a young lad, yeah. and I had the nicest connection with you. This is years yes. ago on the old late night show, and then I think a week later, I receive a beautiful artistic handwritten note from you, mm-hmm. thanking me <laughs> for having you on the show. And I thought, who is this guy? Yeah. He's so creative and thoughtful. And as I was feeding the note into the shredder, sure, <laughs> because, you know, I-, I You receive so many, it's-, it's Yeah, and it, yeah. it just really, I can't have my yeah. office cluttered up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, what I think you, you had done frame? like, done origami or something. I mean, it was, you had, really? you had done I something do very artistic. Oh, I think that was probably my wife, or girlfriend at the time. Yeah. She okay. pressed, she's the, yeah, but I did, I, I, the sentiment was mine. Yeah, and I, I received this, and I actually do still have it somewhere. Oh. The shredder, I mean. Not the <laughs> it's just a really good shredder in those <laughs> yeah, rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was really taken with your character. I would call it like a milestone for me, but that implies that I expected to be on it at some point. I was obsessed with you since I'm young. And so to like get to be on your show, it was like, you know, this kind of surreal experience. Oh, that, that's sweet. That's so, a, yeah. So it was, it was so nice. Note. And then, you know, subsequently your your career has gone so well and you've done such great work. So this morning, when I'm driving here to the studio, not knowing that we'd both be locked out, sure. I was looking forward to talking to you as a just as a person, not as a, oh, I've got to do this podcast. I'm supposed to do this, and I said I would, and this is what's slated, and today it's Jesse Eisenberg. I I was really looking forward to hanging with you mm-hmm. uh, in this very forced way. Sure. <laughs> it's pretty strange. It's pretty strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm strapped into the seat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're try- you can struggle all you want, but you yeah, can't yeah. get out. No, I tried, yeah. No one's gotten out. <laughs> uh, you're not go- going anywhere. Um, you know, so so many things to talk about 
first of all, is you've had a lot of conventional success. I mean, you are a very successful actor and you're very well regarded and you've uh, been in a lot of great projects. And at the same time, you've managed to just be you as a human being. Uh, you don't live in town. Mm-hmm. You you live, uh, I know you want it kept secret, but I want a specific address. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Ninth floor. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, no, you live in the Midwest, I believe. Yeah, we live between Indiana and New York. Yeah, and uh, and you've just managed to, I think, do this your way. Oh, thanks. Does that feel like it resonates with you? Yes, although when you describe it, it sounds like this, you know, great decision of somebody with perfect, um, with a perfectly healthy attitude towards life. And for me, I view it from the inside, which is somebody constantly terrified, anxious, and trying to survive in a world that feels like totally um, unstable and uh, tenuous. And so like these decisions that you describe as these like wonderfully healthy, you know, um, ideals of staying true to oneself, to me are just pure coping and defense mechanisms. So you're in the Midwest because you think it's less likely to receive a nuclear attack. Not out of some noble. <laughs> Especially there are fewer movie posters. Yeah, I mean, my, my fears are far more petty than a nuclear attack. In fact, I'd almost love a nuclear attack because then it could explain away why I wasn't in a movie this year. Well, you know, of course, because of the nuclear attack. Otherwise, you know, the film would have been great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, of course. If I'd have not been for in the, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not for the nuclear attack, you would have seen me in Avatar, you know. Uh, I think you have 30 more years to be in an Avatar movie. Uh, they're That's rolling true. out very slowly. And That's I true. think- It's a bad example, but you understand the, the, the essence of the I point. understand the essence. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny that I didn't set out, when I started doing this podcast, I literally uh, didn't set out to do anything. But what has happened over the, I don't know, 40 interviews I've done or so, very mm-hmm. few, but 40 interviews with very successful people, sure. is I keep hearing the same thing over and over again, yeah. which is- there's so many people that would look at you, Jesse, and say, oh, he's got it made. Right. He cracked it. He figured it out. Right. Yeah. No, I'm scared. Right. I'm anxious. Yeah. Uh, I'm constantly pivoting. Yeah. I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, there's some level of desperation. Yeah. And I think maybe if this podcast achieves nothing else, and it may not, <laughs> I'd like it known that yeah. many famous people, if not most famous people, feel that way most of the time. What do you think the value is to people listening? Because I kind of hesitate to talk about this stuff because it feels like, why would, does somebody want to hear me complain about feeling anxious about a career or about a movie industry? I mean- Right, right. I I guess it's not, uh, here's very specifically why I think it's valuable. We have a culture built on envy. Everybody's Photoshopped. Everybody looks better than they really are. I've gone out of my way in my career to look as crappy on television as I do in real life. And it's been an amazing success. <laughs> <laughs> well, our time's up. Our time, our yeah. time is Sign up. Sign the table, leave. Uh, yeah. Um, I meet so many people that want to be famous. Yeah. They come up to me and say, oh, Mr. O'Brien. And I say, it's Admiral O'Brien. Sure, sure, sure. I prefer. Mr. O'Brien's my mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Now you could say, you can disagree with me and say, no, this has no intrinsic value. You're wasting people's time. Conan. No, I think it does have value. I wonder if we overestimate the amount of people who want that from, who want a reality from the people they watch on TV. I think probably you and I want that, but I do feel probably like a lot of people don't want that and maybe it feels cloying to them, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's just my own self 
deprecation manifesting right. as their right. these theoretical people's ideas. But um, well, I we know. could. I mean, to offset that, we could also talk about all the amazing stuff we have. Let's do that now. Um, I mean, you yeah. have acquired an immense fortune. I have a Toyota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's you're a, not. It's a rental. It's a rental. Yeah, it's not even a lease. It's a rental. Yeah, it's a day to day thing. I can't even. I'm so worried about you know. The, so worried about the future. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's got a Hertz, Hertz day-to-day rental with no insurance. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Couldn't afford the LDW. Wait a minute, you didn't get the insurance. Of course you did. I did get the insurance. Yeah, I saw you pull in behind me. Yeah, 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 it's a rental. And I saw this uh, very unimpressive car. Yeah. I was enraged. Yeah. I, I just assumed. You know what I do, I, drive? I thought it was someone who was not of my social status, and I <laughs> almost thrashed you with a stick. <laughs> I, I drive uh, a Lexus. In, uh, that's my car, but it's not my car. It's a 15-year-old Lexus from my aunt who w- who made a lot of money. She's a brilliant woman. I grew up regular, you know what I mean? Sure. And and now I drive this Lexus and I find it absolutely humiliating to drive a fancy car. And so I try to emphasize how old it is by, you know, when I get out of the car, kind of casually mentioning to my wife, okay, just make sure we lock the old Lexus. Yeah. Yeah. I have this little Fiat 500. Mm-hmm. It's literally like two years old. Mm-hmm. My wife got it for me. It's the size of a chiclet, a piece of gum. <laughs> it looks like a party favor, right? but I drive around in it and people mock me because I am a large man sure. yeah. and I unfold myself and get out of this <laughs> tiny clown car. Right. And so I'm in my little uh, Fiat and it's a, it's a nice little putt-putt four cylinder, or maybe if that, it might have just one cylinder and a squirrel. Right, right. it's not even a cylinder, it's a, it's a, it's a rhombus. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wrong shape. <laughs> but I get out of that car and I noticed that there was some fancy restaurant next to me. And I think I saw like two Bentleys mm. and a Rolls Royce. Wow. I mean, cars that I don't even, see, who sees a Rolls Royce? Right, these are novelty items. But I just thought I would be incapable Mm-hmm. of stepping out of a car like that. Yeah, yeah, I would something. feel like such a shithead. Now, how much do you think that, I, I, of course, of course, and you're right, and we would all think that of you, but do you think part of that is because <laughs> you're so like recognizable and everybody already know, you know, you, there's no need for you to tell strangers about your status because you are your status, right? People know who you are right away. So in a way, you kind of check that box and then walking out of this tiny car, as you're saying, in a way, you know, offsets and humbles you. Yes, I think the car, I, I go that, out of my way not to wash the car sure. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, now you, uh, going out of your way, do you ever find yourself going to ridiculous lengths? Uh, like yes. you've gone too far. Like, for example, you're showing up at a movie that you have a premiere in and you, you're- Yes. You're wearing a, a no, it, threadbare clothing. Uh, the example I was gonna give you was exactly the theoretical cliche example you just gave, which is that I was told to not wear the shirt I got from Target at the premiere of Zombieland last night. My, I, I, I was given a, a, st- a stylist uh, uh, and she said, just don't wear the shirt you bought at Target last week. I went to Target last week to buy my son clothes. He's three years old. You can't buy nice clothes for a three-year-old because they're going to grow. You know, right, So right. take him to Target. I find a shirt that I like and I decide I'm going to wear this shirt for the entire press junket. I'm going to wear it every day. I wore it on the Jimmy Fallon show right. and I was about to wear it to the premiere and they said, don't do that. Don't do it. I said, is it because you have a, a deal with the company? They said, no, it's because you look bad. <laughs> and I said, "That's this is precisely what I'm going for. What I look right now is precisely what I'm going for. And um, anyway, I was... I was bullied into wearing a, uh, uh, what was it? Christian Dior. Christian Dior. Yeah. You believe that? A Christian Dior suit. You believe that? On well, me. I'm, I'm wearing all Christian Dior right now, so I don't see I know, what your I problem smell is. smell it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wear it. It's the smell of Christian Dior clothing. Yes. No, it's- uh, I also do feel New York City, uh, unlike Los Angeles, New York City is 
is a, is a heterogeneous city. You walk outside, you're surrounded by people from all walks of life, unlike LA. You're not sequestered in a car and all that. I don't like wearing nice, expensive clothing in a city, in a city where I feel self-conscious to be part of the elite. I didn't grow up that way. I feel embarrassed to be part of that tax bracket now because it's something that I would have railed against, uh, you know, had it not affected me. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, my wife uh, is, a, my wife is, you know, very liberal activist and her family is liberal intellectuals. Her brother is Noam Chomsky's editor and uh, Howard Zinn's co-writer. I feel mortified to be in this class that I accidentally wound up in by virtue of be, of pursuing a life in the arts. And so, um, uh, I, yes, I try to offset it in every possible aspect of my life. You seem very well-raised, well-bred. That's something you don't hear about anymore. No one talks about that. My mother, when I was a kid, yeah. would talk a lot about, I'm always being held to account like every minute of every day that remember who you are. Right. I feel like you have that. I do, but I also don't feel like I'm asked to be swept along that much. Like I don't feel- I get invited to a lot of big deal parties. More parties than I do. More yeah. parties than I do. I just want to make that, if, they, if we get nothing else out of today, uh, yeah. Yeah, just I'm, know that you have a lot of invitations and un-RSVP'd RSVPs. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, probably, and I, I'm just thinking about this for the first time, I probably offset the thing that you're talking about by just assuming that I'm rejected by, I don't know. I also like, you're like constantly- in the industry, you have a day, you know, your day in, day, day in, day, day out, out job. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're probably more, uh, you probably, it's probably impossible to not feel a part of it. Whereas like when you're acting in movies, like, you know, you'd have six months off and you have to choose what you want to do with that six months. Now you could do that like in pursuit of other movie jobs. You can do drugs and, you know, sleep through it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could travel to some obscure place. Uh, for me, I like writing in New York or being with my family in Indiana. So right. like, um, I just choose to do these things that have nothing to do with this part of it. And therefore, I guess I don't feel like I'm constantly being swept along. In fact, these days that I'm out here doing press, like feels like such a strange anomaly, unpart of my real life, feels totally fake. And uh, to quote Woody Allen, when we were doing press together, he goes, this will be over in a day and we can go back to our real lives. Nice, okay. Yeah. And you do a very good Woody Allen, by I have the no way. choice. Because you are him. Yeah, I just have to, yeah, I mean, you can't look like me and not do a Woody Allen impression. <laughs> be like be like looking like you and not being recruited by the middle school yeah. basketball team. You know, it just happens. Whether you want to do it or not, it just happens. Yeah, it's funny. I had that same... I would say I borrowed some from Woody Allen. I borrowed some from early Bob Hope movies, the kind of self-deprecating, yes. uh, nice fellas, always around people that are much stronger and bigger. And yeah. I adopted that comedic attitude because I thought that was really funny. And right. then I got kind of tall and kind of big, <laughs> right, right, right. but I still- <laughs> It, you know, so I act like Don Knotts. I but, act, I act like not, you know, sorry, fellas. I realize that. Oh boy, look at the muscles on this guy. Nice right. with the muscles. All right, if you'll just excuse me. And I'm adjusting glasses that I'm usually not wearing. <laughs> yes, of course. And of course. Uh, you're, people you're, are looking at me like- contacts. You're yeah, putting your finger in your <laughs> eye and adjusting them. <laughs> I'm adjusting my contacts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fellas, good to see you. But uh, but you are you you're an unusual height. You're not like six one and like a good height, and there you're like an unusual height. So the awkward thing so, still applies, you know, because you're you're noticeable. You're in dangerous territory. I here. know that. I know that. You said uh, you're not a good height. No, no, no. Uh, and then you said you're an unusual height, and you you made sure that you said it's not good to be my height. What I'm yes. my son does not want to be my height. How tall is he? Uh, well, he's still he's uh, he's still growing. Uh, okay. He is uh, about to turn. 14. I don't actually, he probably comes up to my shoulder, but- Oh, he's, he's, he's going to be very tall. Well, I think so, yeah. unless he stops right now. He smokes a lot. Uh, sure. And he's taking a lot of weird uh, chemicals. 
Uh, it's a program Sounds we got good. involved yeah, in um, just to experiment. Yeah. Uh, no, Sounds he, like you're raising him just in line with your mother's dictum. <laughs> <laughs> my mother said you should be polite. She didn't say I couldn't yeah. feed my, my son strange chemicals to perform uh, you know, experiments. Uh, no, he, I, don't, I think he looks at me and he thinks, nah, nah, six, four, I don't know if I want to be that. I, I think he'd be mm-hmm. more comfortable being you know, like 5'11 or six feet tall. It's just right, interesting. Right, right. He doesn't want to stand out. But that that's way. what I'm saying. So with you, it actually is this really funny juxtaposition of like a guy who's kind of like uncomfortable with this thing that he's been given. Right. And that's why it's a funny juxtaposition. Yeah, it's, uh, I was down in Santa Monica once and I was with my daughter. This is a couple of years, a bunch of years ago, but I want to say she was about 10 or 11 at the time. And we were walking and we saw, I saw on the window, these sunglasses that just covered most of your face. They just were giant sunglasses. Right. And I said- Vistaviano glasses. Yeah, exactly. And they, it was like a giant windshield, like something Yoko Ono would have worn in like 1986, like these right, right. giant black. And I said, I bet if I wore those, people wouldn't recognize me. So we went inside. They weren't that much. I bought these sunglasses. I put them on and I walked out with my, I said to my daughter, it was, it was like a comedy, uh, a yeah. well-directed comedy moment. I said, it's gonna be nice to walk around and not constantly talk to everybody. And I put them on and we stepped outside and a guy went, Conan! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there's no, right, right, it right. is like Big Bird from Sesame Street putting on glasses and saying, no one's gonna <laughs> right, bother right, right. me now on Sesame Street. Right. I'm wearing this tie. Yeah. Right, no yeah. one will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. in today's Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less 
filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. When you get recognized, I'm just I guess, are you good at establishing boundaries? Are you good at saying, you know, I'm not comfortable with a selfie right now? Or I'm, you know, my degree in school is anthropology, and I've always been curious to ask people questions, especially where are they from? Because I was cultural anthropology. I'm curious about where people are from. I live in New York City half the time, which is like an amazingly diverse place. So when people come up to me, I just immediately ask them a question. That's interesting. my nature of deflection anyway, but also uh, it gives me an opportunity to pry into their lives. And this is the only way I can cope with this very uncomfortable thing of like strangers stopping you and, you know. So um, so I always just ask people where they're from and genu- genuinely fascinated. I like to know things about the entire world, different countries. I'm curious about that. And so this is my coping mechanism, but it's also really interesting for me. Um, and it I gives forgot, you an opportunity I, to pry. Yeah, I forgot that you studied anthropology. And How I would you think- you forget that? Uh, I I'm think in the I Zombieland was... movie. How could you? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. it you're should right. be this, obvious. You are an- studied anthropology. Mm -hmm. So then you become an actor. I would think that would be invaluable to you, like to just look at people and try and figure out what makes them tick. Yeah. Well, my dad taught sociology um, and my mom was a birthday party clown. 
And so she was like this very kind of like silly entertainer who, you know, uh, wore face paint and did these crazy did songs. She, did she get a lot of work as a birthday party clown? She worked on the weekends in the tri-state area. It was not, you know, when you say get a lot of work, you That's know, how serial killers are described, by the way. Yeah. They roamed the, roamed the tri-state area, often dressed as a clown. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The difference with her is that she didn't kill anybody and she did parties instead. But right. otherwise, otherwise, exactly the same. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. And my dad was like a kind of very, he's a funny person and everything, but he's very serious, like um, social behavior analysis. And, you know, analyst. And so, you know, I would have a friend come over for after school and we'd be eating snacks. And after the friend would leave, my dad would say, you know, so interesting that Michael asked for a snack as soon as he came over. I wonder if he's eating at home. And, you know, I wonder if that was kind of a power move, you know, that he was asking us for a snack, kind of asserting his dominance here at the house, which is a new place for him. And my mom would, you know, do some crazy thing and sing a song. So I, I probably am a, only in retrospect did I realize I'm a real combination of both of them because I do kind of like more serious performance than a birthday party clown, but with the kind of similar social curiosity that my sure, dad- Sure, you're a blend, a blend of is what they sociologist call it. and clown. That's <laughs> <laughs> I'm the that, sociologist clown. Yeah. I, uh, I was going to ask you about, you have a very intelligent way of speaking. You also speak very quickly- Yes, my yeah, to my yeah, my dad is is so slow, is so thoughtful, and 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 so bright, um, but and so contemplative uh, that he speaks so slowly. So I think my yes, my horrible affectation was purely to get a word in edgewise um, because I had to sneak into his pauses. And uh, so this is all you trying to get a word in. Yeah, uh, I speak quickly. Yeah, I course. speak quickly. I've tried to slow it down. Why? Just so I can be heard. Okay. Uh, sometimes if I get going really quickly, it can sound a little bit like when you play, listen to a podcast and it's on oh, yeah, one and a half. Speed. Yeah. Double speed. Yeah. Sometimes when I listen to those, I think that uh, that's approaching the speed that I can get to sometimes if I'm really intense <laughs> and I'm really speaking about something. Right. I have a brother, uh, Luke, who speaks very quickly, so quickly that people think he's from Ireland. <laughs> they really do. People think he's from Ireland because he talks really quickly. And so it, it, it sounds a little bit like, sometimes he can sound like a little bit like, you know, I tell you something right now. And people will be like, well, tell me, are you from Dublin? And he'll be like, no, no, I'm from Boston. <laughs> but if you speed up right. uh, a Massachusetts speech pattern just a little bit, it starts to sound a little oh, bit that's like- interesting. You're sing song, country. cadence yes, of and, and then you can get a little bit, it's getting going quickly. And people say, oh, well, tell me, you know, so you have an Irish passport. That must be where, no, 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 I don't. I live here in Boston. Have uh, you ever been asked to slow down by you know, network executives? Uh, I got a lot of notes early on. Notes like, don't be on television. Sure. And then <laughs> that was the umbrella note and everything else that followed was kind of, yeah. in retrospect, do you think like, what, there was like six months where like it was, didn't, wasn't great? Uh, it was, oh, it was longer. There was, uh, I have a lot of uh, younger fans that have no idea we ever went through any difficulty. Really? And I say, oh, no, no, you don't understand. Um, I can show you uh, articles that were written in 93, 94 that, you know, have headlines like, yeah. Wouldn't it be great if he died? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> weird know? that the Times put that above the fold, I thought. Yeah, I mean, and on a day- uh, Especially during the, the first Gulf War. Exactly. I mean, the same day as the invasion? It was the same day as the invasion, story? and it was the lead story. Yeah. Why can't Conan die? And weird. then in other news, we've invaded the Gulf. Yeah. We've committed our forces. In much lesser news. In yeah. much lesser news. And Osama bin Laden determined to attack US. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I still framed it. Uh, <laughs> how do you deal with criticism? Cry? I don't know. How does one deal with criticism? Well, weep, some people, weep, weep. No, uh, I, there's I, many different reactions to criticism. Uh, one is F them. Yeah. They have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, uh, no, no, that's not mine. No, I mean, I validate the worst. I yeah. validate the worst criticism and disregard anything good. 
like a normal person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, um, it's so funny because that's that yeah. is what I do. I I do the exact same thing. Yeah, I just, of course. I find the one person in the crowd who's not laughing. Yeah. And think uh, they're right. They see. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I. Yeah. I. I don't. I. But I also. I mean, the other thing which is true, which is that I just. I. I just isolate myself to such a strange degree that um, uh, I'm really not aware of a lot of it. The first movie I was in, probably right around, I was 20 years old, probably around the same time I visited your show. I Googled my name. It was before Google. I Yahooed my name. And uh, the first thing that came up was, uh, he, he reminds me of Ben Stiller. And then the per- person underneath went, you mean ugly and Jewish? And I closed the computer and I never looked up my name again. And since then, really, I've I'm so... I live such an insular strain uh, life. I, I really regret do. writing that. Yeah, I know. And that it was strange. Was... It was right as you were taking off too, so it was risky. <laughs> and just... instead of using an avatar, you use your real name and I... several pictures <laughs> to indicate who you are and I... a fingerprint. I was uh, I was having a down moment, and uh, my uh, anti-Semitism was at a boil. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I I I can't believe. Yeah. I've had people tell me, man, I was going through internet comments about myself last night. I cannot and believe And I think, what are, you do t- what are you doing? I Why are you looking up comments of yourself? That. Because my wife always says the internet is a bathroom wall. Yeah. Why would you want to know the very worst of what a human being could think of you? <laughs> yes, 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 and, right, And exactly. see it. Uh, yeah. well, my wife always tells me the internet hates you. I said, really? They said, yes, yes, I found stuff that hates you. Why would she tell you that? I don't know. Can we get her? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, because I, because from her perspective, she feels like protective over me. She thinks I say too much in interviews and I put my foot in my mouth and she is a political activist and she, you know, and she thinks that like, I'm not being as explicitly progressive in my in- interviews about my entertainment things. Mm-hmm. And I, I say, I, I don't want that. I feel it's not my place. I feel it's, I feel things like that are overdone and, you know, add to the kind of strange discourse we have in culture anyway. And- You're saying that uh, that you don't like to get political. You don't like to wear your opinions on your sleeve. Yeah. Because this is something that I, I wanted to jump on quickly. I feel very strongly about things. I have very strong feelings, but I always have this sense that no one elected me to anything. Exactly. And- I feel. Uh, and- Sometimes I think we live in a culture where people think, well, you're a coward if you're not on the ramparts right now, yeah. uh, you know, throwing uh, flaming arrows at the enemy. And yeah. I think I, A, I don't think it's that simple. And right. B, I don't, I sometimes uh, do think that the discourse has been poisoned a bit when every single person who has any kind of notoriety yeah. feels, feels they've been elected to- Tell I com- us what they think. I completely agree, and I, uh, uh, and and for me, the the kind of the compromise or the solution is, you know, uh, my mother in law ran a domestic violence shelter for thirty five years. She passed away two years ago. My wife and I helped to uh, fund it. I did a major like campaign to raise money for it, and I talk about domestic violence and issues of domestic violence and try to raise awareness for the shelter, Middleway House uh, in Bloomington, Indiana. To me, this is like a wonderful thing to do. No one's going to disagree with this. This is not going to yeah. upset anybody, and this is a way. You know, just in terms of like the political discourse of people in entertainment, that seems like a wonderful solution. Talk about a thing that that you feel could be helpful rather than I feel kind of, you know, add to just give other people reasons to look at entertainment, the entertainment industry as further alienated from mainstream society. Right. 
um, which is kind of the way I feel, even though I'm part of it, you know, and, um, and, you know, especially, you know, I'm kind of in the Midwest, I, not that I have some, not that my finger is on the cultural pulse, pulse there, but like, you know, I think like if you live here or in to a lesser, much lesser degree in New York, you know, you have a sense that like everybody kind of, you know, really thinks the way you do. There's a bit of like a homogenous culture out here, which I never noticed or never really fully, it never crystallized for me until I got a juice this morning. And the guy said, hey, bro, your juice is ready. Thanks, Jess. Come, come I'll see you soon. And I realized no one would ever do that in New York because there are too many competing kind of cultures there that have held on to their cultures. And here in Los Angeles, it's a newer thing. People come here rather than are born here. And therefore, like, there's a kind of homogeneity to the culture here where people feel comfortable saying, hey, bro, your juice is ready. As though, like, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the last person who could authentically go by bro. And so I realized, oh, there's a bit of a homogeneity here. And so I can understand why people feel they should say something because it feels kind of safe here to be able to say something. But if you leave here, uh, you know, you realize not everybody thinks like you. And I think kind of being so explicit sometimes, I think will further alienate the people you're trying to convince. Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Children have the benefit. They have the luxury of thinking everything is simple. Mm-hmm. And growing into adulthood is realizing that things are complicated, nuanced. Mm-hmm. They can contain the good and the bad, the salty and the sweet. And that's what being an adult is. Mm-hmm. And there's something about our national discourse now where everyone wants to be a child again. <laughs> the other side sucks. They're bad. Mm-hmm. We're good. Mm-hmm. They're evil. They're the the Death Star, right. we're, um, you know, we're the, the rebels that are fighting them, that are fighting for freedom. And each side can look at the other side that way. And I think, well, that's just adults wanting to be children. Yeah. Does that sound? Oh, it does. I mean- I mean, but, can you praise what I just said? I mean, I think you're a genius and I've loved you for a really long time, like well, up until that moment. Um, no, <laughs> no, no, I, I think you're right. The, the truth is like, I come from- you know, uh, very liberal New York Jewish family. Uh, I don't think there's been any person in my family in three generations in this country that has voted for a Republican on any state, local, national level. Right. And so I actually do come from a place of feeling that we're right and that, you know, the liberal position is would benefit more people. That's I genuinely do yeah. feel that way and very strongly. And I do what I can to promote that in my personal life. That said, um, I don't, so, so the feelings you just described, I think are actually probably, I, I, I maybe feel that way a bit, you know, that there, but, but I just don't talk about it in that way. Cause I don't think that's the correct way to do it. And if I were to talk about it in a way, I would either do it in like the fiction that I write, um, in a kind of, you know, veiled way. That's not, uh, you know, my own personal feel, or just in a way that feels more measured and thought out. I don't have a Twitter account, so I don't have like any kind of way to have a knee jerk reaction that's public. And, um, I don't, I'm not a really public enough person to feel like it's even warranted. I do have a Twitter account, but to me, uh, the only way I can do the internet, uh, and I mean do the internet, yeah. which, just saying that. You just, you just, just lost a huge demographic. I just lost yeah, 80% yeah. of the people that would ever yeah, want to yeah. hear what I have to say. Uh, the only way I can participate is that if it's a one-way street, meaning I don't then yes, go look. Right, right. I like to put funny, th- th- what I think are I've funny done things out there. I know, I know you feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a one-way street here, pal. Yeah. You, l- you listen to me, Eisenberg, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will put funny things out there and then if you like it or don't like it, it's not 
I can't help you. That was what I so, made so in that moment. Are you tempted to respond to things and don't? Or um... no, I'm not really. Because to respond to it, I would have to know. I'm not. I'm not actively looking uh, for. Yeah, great. You know yeah, that, that what seems, people seems uh, thought about every second of what I was doing. Yeah. I just think it's Im- with that noise in your head. How can you make anything? That's exactly how I feel. This is why I don't watch the movies I've been in because I feel like it just stifles my own creativity. I don't read reviews of the plays I do or the stuff I write uh, because I just feel like how could you do anything if you're kind of coming from a place of reacting to somebody telling you how to do your job? So when you're at a premiere or at some event where you need to watch one of your movies and you come on camera for the first time, you don't stand and say, boom, there he is. <laughs> I haven't, I don't go to those. I never go to those. I, I think I was like- That would be the only reason I would be in a movie. I'm, I'm not, so you I'm not a movie figure, but I would go yeah, yeah, yeah. and I would, as myself, I wouldn't disguise myself right. or anything. And Ed, the second I walked on- I'd be like, yeah, yeah. boom, yeah, yeah. bring think, the cone in. And I would think, stand. Do you think people would know it was you? Yes, they would know it was me. I'd be removed, sure. forcibly removed. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But I'd make my way back in. And then when I entered the scene again, I'd be like, there he is again. Do you think anybody's I, been non-forcibly removed? I think some people who have shame are told to leave. Okay. But I think being forcibly ejected is much funnier. Yeah, no, of course, of course. But it also seems like the only way to be removed. What about, uh, you should go. You're, I think you should that's, go. That's ejected. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Com- okay. That's complying with an ejection. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so just, if you can take it back and just not say the forcibly, because it's redundant. I think if you or I on a, were on a long road trip, yeah. one of us would kill the other. Yeah. Or we'd stop in Long Island and <laughs> decide to take separate <laughs> modes of transportation. <laughs> I think we're far enough. <laughs> this is Bergen County. I think we're far enough here. And I'll see you in LA for the <laughs> proposed appointment. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Uh, yeah. I'm summoning my private jet now. Yes, exactly. I'm going to go. It's coated with gold. Drop me off at Westchester Airport, and I'm going to take a small plane there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what's the rest of your day? What's going on? I mean, uh, going you know. to Los Angeles Comic Con. I didn't know there was a Los Angeles Comic Con. There's a Comic Con everywhere. Now. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's sort of like Burger King. They're everywhere. Oh, okay. Wow. So uh, yeah. Interesting that you chose Burger King. Do you have a deal with them or something? McDonald's. I don't. I don't yet. But if I oh, keep hammering I away, yeah. I figured McDonald's would be going after too big a fish. Got it. Uh, but if I hit Burger King and yeah. I hit it enough, sure. Uh, you know. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. something something good is my way will come. You've always aimed low and look at where it got look at where it's gotten you. We were locked out of the studio this morning. I we were <laughs> locked out of the studio. I've never felt my position in show business more dearly than standing on the second floor balcony of a pretty pedestrian, sad looking building. Yeah. Uh yeah. there was one of those giant locks on the door that has a code you have to push into it. Like they're trying to rent it out to a yes, college kid. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is supposed to be, I mean, this is a very successful podcast. I, I hate I to toot my own horn, but- Harry's razors. Uh, let's just say, yeah. uh, well, no, I mean, yes, of course. Is there? Is it bringing in some revenue? I'm sure it is somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but no, creatively, it's a very successful podcast. It's a juggernaut. Yeah. No one uses the- Let's call it what it is. Let's it's call it what it is. And it's a juggernaut. It, it is a, uh, it's a black hole that's devouring all other podcasts. That's right. And, uh, and no light can shine around it. Yeah, yeah. It is a devourer of worlds. Uh, it is an apocalyptic show, a show that will destroy anything that gets in its way. Do you feel threatened by the Chuck Todd cast? Uh, I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The fact that he could just take his name sure. and go right Throw into it in cast, yeah, Todd yeah, yeah. cast. That's unfair. That's you unfair. know, I could have done cone cast, but I didn't. Uh, yeah. I had a shred of dignity and then 
Toddcast. And also you're Please. sued by Comcast. Well, yes, exactly. I, I didn't I didn't think about that at the time. But Is there a uh, parallel universe where you're hosting Meet the Press? I think there should be. But there'd be like in that Star Trek episode, whenever there's a parallel universe, right, the people right. in the other universe have little goatees. Like Spock has a goatee. Right. And um, you know, everyone has a slight difference. So I think there's a parallel universe yeah, yeah, yeah. where I host Meet the Press, but I have a little goatee and slightly evil eyebrows. I think you're gonna give me an answer about your political proclivities and why actually, you know, yes, why you could have pursued that route and you know, if you could only go back, but no, instead you have a goatee and different eyebrows? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna waste your time with, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, answering- do you have a curiosity about that stuff in a way that would- I do, I have a lot of curiosity. I mean, I, I think you and I are both curious souls. You've, mm-hmm. I think you've asked me as many questions today as I've asked you. Most people are content uh, to let me do all the questioning. Right. Uh, you, um, you are a curious man, I'm a curious man. I think there's an alternate universe where you and I have like a, a, a very sophisticated, like Huntley Brinkley, this is a very old reference kids, but look yeah. it up kind of show yeah. where you and I are dissecting the national discourse yeah. every night and people really admire us. Right, sure. But then you're vaguely aware that you have a big movie career in another universe. And, and pretty, you're pretty pumped about that, yeah. And you're, but you're pissed that you're not in that oh, right, universe. right, that I'm not in that one. Yeah, I'm yeah. stuck with this goatee. Yeah, and you yeah. have a weird goatee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm actually uh, happy that I'm in the universe I'm in because I'm getting a break from my family. This is fascinating. We're both aware of our parallel lives, but one person is happy to be in this other situation and the other yeah. person laments the fact that they're in this body. I'm happy that I'm in the other universe uh, because my cholesterol is slightly lower there too. Right, 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 right. You know, right. my cholesterol is like a solid 130. Right, exactly. And then in the in the universe where I'm Conan O'Brien, the, the talk show host comedian, it's pushing 200. Right, right. My hair does better in humidity in the other body, for example. Exactly. Yeah. Um, again, price. were you and I to take a long car trip? Sure. Uh, we, I yeah. think I think there'd yeah. be a few hours where we're the closest of friends. Sure. And then I think as we started to get out to the Badlands. You think we'd make it to the Badlands? Yes. I'm flattered. Thank you. Honored. Uh, we get to the Badlands. I think I would contrive a way to Wait, sorry, are we going west to east or east to west? East to west is how I would want That's to do it. That's flattering. Thank you. Yeah. We'd get all the way to the Badlands. I'm sorry, the Badlands of Massachusetts. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, there's some, there's some desert areas. It's a bad area. (laughs) Western Massachusetts, (laughs) there's some, yeah, it's just not a good neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But anyway, I think, uh, yeah, I think I might contrive a way to, uh, to lure you into the woods and- Thanks. Try and end you. Sure, 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 sure. I think you'd win, but I'd bite. (laughs) You're a biter. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of silly, but if we get one thing out of this, I would love to have your address. Not here on the air, but you are a- uh, you're a, a great fellow. Oh, I have a lot of admiration for you. Oh, and I would like to occasionally write you a stupid note. Oh, thank you and so, so much. And uh, so if I that will, happens- I will shred it. Uh, you will shred it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, uh, congratulations Thanks. on everything. Likewise. Thank you for being here. I think you, when, this, uh, when this airs, you'll be very pleased because I'm going to lower both of our voices. <laughs> Uh, electronically, so that sure, we're, sure, sure. No, we're quite masculine. Yeah, to sound like a regular person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks you so much. I gotta say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit! Yeah, I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever, okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. 
You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do. Partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for. Or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. (laughs) There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up. And I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know. I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Conan. How about another round of Review the Reviewers? These are real comments from uh, listeners. And we must accept uh, their opinions and respond. Yeah, on Apple Podcasts. Okay. All right, this is from Not So Red Sonia. It's five stars. The title is, The Podcast is Helping Me Survive a Move. I am eight months pregnant with my third kid, (gasps) and the husband and I got this crazy idea to move houses. I am currently in a whale state where I'd rather lie around and not move. But listening to Conan's podcast somehow makes me want to unpack our crap. The only problem now is that I'm all caught up and have no new episodes to listen to, but I still have to unpack the master bedroom and dining room. Conan, get on it and get this pregnant woman new episode stat so she can finish unpacking her house before the baby comes. You have one month. (laughs) Oh my God. This is Sonia is her name? Red Sonia. Red Sonia. Not so Red Sonia. Oh, not so Red Sonia. Well, whatever. Listen, not so Red Sonia. Uh, Conan to the rescue, I suppose. Uh, I'm... I want to help you get through this move. Uh, first of all, congratulations, a third child. Yeah. Uh, my wife, after the birth of our second child, uh, turned to me and said, never touch me again. <laughs> and um, I haven't. Uh, we have <laughs> wow. two beautiful children, but she just wasn't up for a third. Third is intimidating. Mm. That's amazing. So I could see uh, this, is, uh, this is quite a, a task for you. And I'm glad that I'm able to help. I really am glad. 
How much of the house is unpacked? And why should you have to help at all if you're eight months pregnant? Oh, good question. Mm-hmm. Right? And who knows by now she could be breastfeeding or like it's a newborn or something. So. Right, by the time this comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think she should be helping at all. No. I don't think she should be doing any unpacking. Now, very few people know this, but I am a trained and licensed obstetrician. <laughs> and I, seriously, and I don't think, it was what I no. majored in in college, uh, and I don't think- it was history and literature of America and obstetrics. I don't think that's okay. Yeah. Actually, you think if you replay that, you'll hear that I didn't say obstetrics correctly. <laughs> no. Which might be a giveaway that I'm lying. No, I don't think in the eight months she should be moving around. And I wonder what, what's her husband doing? Yeah, good question. Maybe by the third one, you're, you're, you know what's up. Yeah. So you're like, I can unpack a house. I can do this. That's true. Maybe. It depends Maybe on how much stuff they have. Listen, uh, I don't know what it is about the sound of my voice that makes you want to physically take things out of boxes and move them and keep busy. (laughs) Now that, you could take it as a compliment that, oh, this is so nice, she likes listening to the podcast, but she doesn't find it soothing, clearly, because you don't listen to a soothing podcast when you unpack. You listen to something that agitates, Hmm. excites, maybe even angers, gives you the energy to unpack that lava lamp. To unpack that beanbag chair. That's right. Those things have to be packed carefully so they're not damaged. You have to unpack all that stuff. And so my voice might be an irritant. This may not be a compliment. Maybe she wants to listen to you because you might induce her labor. Yes. Maybe uh, your voice agitates her to the point where the baby just wants to come out. Yeah, Yeah. like acts of trauma can induce labor. You know, you guys are joking around, but uh, both of our children were a long time coming out, and the doctor said that I should speak as much as possible. (laughs) They said the child will come out eventually just to end your, uh, he called it a nasally twang, a reedy, (laughs) irritating twang. The baby wants to evacuate the womb. Yes, the baby wanted out of the womb for the relative harmony of uh, a room that you might not be in. So I was then asked after both our children were born, could I stick around and could I read from Melville's Moby Dick and try and induce other women? And I did that and I made $600 a pop. And that's why I wasn't on the air for a lot of uh, pretty much 2000 six to 2008, you'll notice there's like a two year gap where I was just reading to women who needed a baby out. Since this podcast came out, there's been a spike in birth rates. <laughs> yeah. Early People are giving birth. birth who weren't even pregnant. <laughs> oh, my water broke. Yeah. Oh, look, that tumor just left my body. Why? What happened? Did you take some kind of miracle chemo? No. Conan O'Brien's voice played and the... <laughs> The cancerous cell said, you know what? We'll take our chances on that hot concrete sidewalk over there rather than listen to this needy freak for another second. So that's why sometimes when I'm walking down the street, you see little cancers crawling as they die, move across the sidewalk. Yeah, they're crawling on little amoebic legs. And saying, we'll take our chances here. Maybe a bus will come. <laughs> you got cancer afraid. I didn't say afraid, irritated. Okay. No one fears me, but I can irritate. <laughs> That's going to be the tagline on my poster. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, I'm sure you've had the baby now just listening to uh, my voice. And uh, congratulations to all the new parents out there. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. 
produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.